on the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. Welcome to New Hope. We are so glad that you are here as we celebrate Christmas, God with us. We are in this sermon series throughout the month of December, and it's through the lens from the perspective of John, one of the disciples of Jesus. We are looking at the Christmas story, and John's gospel tells it from a different perspective than the other, four, the other three gospels in the New Testament. And what we have done is we have looked at chapter 1, week 1, chapter 2, week 2, and then on Sunday we looked at chapter 3. Now, this is part of a larger series for us here at New Hope. We are going from Christmas to the cross, and we're going through the book of John, 21 chapters of John, one week each, 21 weeks, and uh, we're going to look at Easter, at the resurrection in John 20, and the week after Easter we'll finish out with John chapter 21, but it starts with the Christmas story. And what we're learning is that God, he came near in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ with us, the infant king has been born. And we are talking on Sunday about John chapter 3, that, that we are born again, that Jesus can be born in us. And out of the entire Bible, uh, particularly in the book of John, if there was a place to slow down and to spend a little more time, it would be in John chapter 3. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look tonight at John chapter 3, verse 16, and then we're going to look also at two phrases that John the Baptist gives to us as a response to this invitation from God. John 3.16 is probably one of the most popular, one of the most famous passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And what I'd like to invite you to do tonight, if you would, let's read this together. It's here on the screen, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. As we think about this passage of Scripture... I was reminded of what happened two weeks ago. Uh, there were a series of tornadoes that dropped and went through six different states, killing 76 people, tragically, and destroying many towns, including Mayfield, Kentucky. But there was a man named Jimmy Finch. Here's a picture of Jimmy, who decided that he needed to go and help. So what he did is he took his lawn care truck and he loaded up a smoker, and he drove from Tennessee to Mayfield, Kentucky. He parked in the center of downtown, set up shop, began to make food and serve it. He's not a wealthy man. Uh, he doesn't have a food truck business. But he just was compelled, moved to do something to help, to make a difference. And so this, to me, is a picture of what we see in the Christmas story. What we see in John chapter 3.16. That God so loved the world, he sent his son... 
And whoever believes in him, they will receive eternal life. That's the promise of this verse. Uh, what, what I'd like to do is look at this verse and walk through it quickly. And then at the end, we'll get two phrases from John the Baptist that help us respond to the invitation of God in this passage. So first, God so loved. I don't know what you think about when you think of God. Some people, they think about this guy in the sky who's waiting to catch you doing something wrong so that he can judge and smite you. Other people, they think God is just absent, kind of removed. We're not even sure if he's there or not. Uh, He kind of wound up the clock and he's just letting it tick and doesn't really have any interaction or interest. But the Bible's view, the Christian view of God, is that God created the world. He created you in his image. He loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. This is the invitation of John 3.16. Now, I know we have some kids in the room, all right? Young people, I got a question for you. Um, if, if, uh, if you're into cartoons, what cartoon is your most recent favorite? Like, what are you watching? What are the kids watching these days? Don't embarrass your parents as you shout something out on Christmas Eve, but what cartoons are you watching? What is it? Oh, Miraculous. I don't know that, but it's got a good title. All right, check it out. Okay, what else? What are you watching? What cartoons? All right. The Grinch. All right, big kids. What cartoons are you? Okay, well, my, my kids recent. Oh, yeah, you've got one. Go for it. Okay, great one. All right. <laughs> my kids have been watching uh, this cartoon recently. Anybody know who this is? Garfield, oh, Tom and Jerry's a good one. This is Garfield, yeah. And Garfield, if you know anything about this cat, he loves lasagna. That's right, the picture gives it away. Now, Garfield, I was learning about a recent episode. My daughter, Eden, was telling me that there was a lasagna recipe that was stolen. And everybody was worried because, oh, no, now the special recipe that, that was made, that made the best lasagna, what, what's going to happen? It's going to get out, and everyone can make it. And, what, and Garfield stepped in to reassure everyone. There, there was no need to worry that the recipe was stolen because the key ingredient in that recipe was that it was made with love, right? The person who made it, making it for their family, was made with love, and so you can't replicate that recipe. And the, it, the, the invitation in John 3.16 is that God so loved the world that whosoever believes, that, that's, that's the invitation. Would you believe in this God? If we're going to believe, we have to think about the word belief in its original context because it's not quite the way we use the word believe in our culture. Uh, the original word is the word pistuo. And it's a verb. It's an action. It's something that people do. Uh, The the definition would be something like this, to believe, to put one's faith in, to trust. And so if we were going to believe in God's love and God's son, the gift of Jesus, his one and only son, if we're going to believe in that, it's to trust Jesus with your entire life, to trust him with your decisions, to trust him with your future, to trust him when you're afraid, to trust him with your finances and in your relationship, to give your entire life under trusting, submitting to, following after Jesus, the gift of God. That's what John 3.16 invites us to. Because of God's love, we can believe in Jesus. And this belief 
it teaches us that Jesus came to the world to die for our sins. That he hung on a cross, he took our place, we exchange our sin for his righteousness, and now we are in a right relationship with God. His love, his grace, his forgiveness, not because you deserve it. In fact, it's undeserved. It's because it's undeserved. It's because we can't earn it. And Jesus is the gift this Christmas, every Christmas, for all of humanity. Whosoever believes, older people, younger people, uh, black people, white people, any shade, uh, Republicans and Democrats, right? Rich, for all the ways that we divide ourselves, whoever, whosoever believes in Jesus, they won't perish, that's to be destroyed, to be separated from God eternally. They won't perish, but instead, they'll have eternal life. That last phrase, eternal life, is so important. We tend to think about it in terms of some, somewhere in the future, and it's another place than here. And it is that, but it's more than that. The eternal life is something that begins right now. Some translations say everlasting life. And it's something that we step into when we believe, and it continues from this life into the next. We get to embrace, experience the eternal life in the here and now when we follow Jesus. The response that I'd like to focus on, though, for the next few minutes that we have together is there are several ways that we can think about the Christmas story, the story of God in the Bible. We can look at it through the lens of forgiveness. We can look at it through the lens of sacrifice. We can look at it through the lens of faith. Tonight, I want us to look at it through the lens of humility. I think about the Christmas story from the, the, the perspective of humility. Jesus, God himself, humbled himself, lowered himself, becoming human. Jesus was born in a manger, right? Like in a stable, in a cave with the animals making noises all around and the smells and everything that came with that. Born to a teenage mother, Mary the Virgin. And they're, they're the message, it goes out to the shepherds, right? The, 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 the first to hear and experience and celebrate the message of Christ, the shepherds in the field taking care of sheep. On and on and on we see humility woven throughout the Christmas story. And the Christmas story then, it's about humility. God lowering himself and inviting us to do the same. And John the Baptist is an incredible picture of what this looks like for us. Uh, John, not the, uh, the, there's John the author and then John the baptizer, two different Johns in the first century. John the baptizer, he is at the Jordan River baptizing people, hence his name. Jesus comes along, and he begins baptizing people. And all of a sudden, the followers of John start following Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's this, oh, no, what are we going to do moment. And John gives us these two phrases that help us respond to the invitation of God with humility. Before I get to those, let me show you a map. Take a look at this map. Uh, this is a picture of the world. You would recognize it. It's from the Merc uh, Mercator projection, all right? Uh, this unfortunately has some, some errors because uh, the Mercator projection, the further you get away from the equator, north or south, the countries are larger than they actually are in real life. So the proportion of the countries is not 
accurate in the Mercator projection. Uh, if we were to size the countries accordingly, uh, Greenland, for example, is not as big as Africa. <laughs> Two different proportions. But in the old traditional maps and projections, the countries, you know, Greenland, for example, look the same as Africa in terms of size. Now we have much more accurate versions of the proportion of each country one to another. I share this because this is, for me, a picture of what humility looks like. It's seeing yourself in proportion to God. It's having a right view of who God is and who we are in light of God. And this is exactly what John the Baptist shows us. That if we can, if we can see ourselves, who we are, and we can see who God is accordingly, then we'll be able to follow and respond the way that he invites us to. Here's the first response. Here's the first phrase from John the Baptist. In verse 27, To this John replied, A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, here's the phrase, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. This response of humility is to know who John is and to know who Jesus is. To have a right and accurate view of who he is in light of Christ. I, I'm not the Messiah. Okay, people are leaving me and following Christ. Good, that's the way it's supposed to be. That, that, that was the reason I was sent. I was sent ahead of him. And now my role is to hand these people off to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. I'm not the Messiah. I'm only sent ahead of him. Now, there's this idea that John is a forerunner. It's a different teaching for a different day. But you and I, we are like John in this way, that when we become followers of Jesus, we are sent ahead of Jesus, announcing Jesus is coming. I bring Jesus with me. We tell the story of the gospel. We tell the Christmas story. It goes with us as we announce what God has done in the world, we now are the forerunners of Christ. But we are not the Messiah. We are only sent ahead of him. That's the first response of humility. The second phrase, as John continues, is this, down in verse 29 and 30. He gives a picture. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom, the church, the people of God are the bride. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It's like Jesus is here. The thing that we've been waiting on, he's here, and it's now complete. And then here's the second phrase, he must become greater, and I must become less. See, your life and my life, it, it can't be all about us and all about Jesus at the same time. And the invitation in response to John 3.16 is this, would you make your life all about Jesus? Would you follow after the one that God sent because of his great love for you? Would you receive the eternal life that's available to you now and forevermore in the name of Jesus? And if you would, then our response is, Jesus has to be greater and I have to be less. God so loved the world that he sent his son, but you are not the world and neither am I. We are one part 
of the world, and we have to see ourselves in light of the bigger picture, who, who Jesus is and who we are. So this Christmas, the invitation from John chapter 3 is that we might follow Christ in all humility and experience what he has for us, the love, the joy, the peace, the grace, and the forgiveness. And it's found in the way of Jesus, which is the way of humility. Now, we have uh, candles as part of our candlelight service. And this is one of the ways that we can respond to what we're hearing tonight. Uh, the band is actually going to come back out right now, and we're going to sing two songs. So, so hold your flame, right? Hold your candle in, in waiting, and uh, we, we'll sing the second song, Silent Night. We'll begin to light the candles, but we invite you to sing both of these songs with us right now in response to God's love for us, believing in his name, receiving eternal life. And then during the second song, Silent Night, we'll light our candles together as we worship this infant king.